This is Thomas, a.k.a. a mad painter. I'd like you to join me Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Open Canvas. Don't forget to bring an open mind. Yes, folks, that's right. Bring an open mind to an open canvas. Again, that is Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. You opposed government corruption. This is Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. This is the people's war. It is our war. We are the fighters. Fight it, then. Fight it with all that is in us. And may God defend the right. Warning, warning. We've got to stop us. They're going to kill us all. See how the trouble you've started? Be they the government, be they industry, be they organized labor, be they anyone. Or human beings. When the operation of the machine becomes so obvious, makes you so sick at heart. But you can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, by all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. And you've got to win the change of the people who run it to the people who own it. That unless you're free, the machine will be prevented from working at all. Revolution Radio of FreedomSlips.com, the number one listener-supported talk radio station, throwing ourselves upon the gears of the machine. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. You call down the thunder, well now you've got it. You tell them coming, and hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me! Revolution Welcome to Crypt Ricks I've Been Thinking. What's this show all about? Well, it's all in the title. He enjoys interviewing people about issues that he finds interesting and which cause him to sit back and think. Cryptocurrency, true crime, natural law, the occult. No topic is off limits here. He has always enjoyed when people give their points of view or thoughts on different topics that they have researched. And what makes it all great is that it's their unique take on what is being discussed. For that reason alone, it makes it interesting to him. So take that walk down to his crypt. Make yourself comfortable. And just maybe, he will be discussing a topic that you have been thinking about. Here's your host, Crypt Rick. Well, welcome, everybody. I'd like to welcome you all once again to my crypt for another amazing show, another amazing interview on this Monday evening, which is actually a beautiful uh, day today here where I live in a warm day, which I'm looking for, uh, was looking forward to because I knew it was supposed to be a warm day today. So I'm very happy that it was a warm day and springs. I, I see signs of spring, I hope, because I can't take any more cold, guys. To be very honest with you, uh, but before I get my guest on, I just want to do a little bit of the house cleaning here. Let everyone know, as I say at the beginning of every show, it is listener supported here, guys. And you guys are what make the, you know, you guys make this work by all your donations and keeping all the great content going almost, you know, pretty much 24 seven. A lot of amazing hosts, 
uh, bringing you tons of information. And, you know, what's important is that it is, you know, uncensored. And a lot of the platforms are censoring a lot of information that is trying to get out there. And, you know, they're taking your videos down or they'll take comments down. And, you know, it's great to be able to come to a place here where that, you know, freedom of speech is alive and well. So, I mean, it's a great thing to support. There's lots of different ways you can support the station. You know, you can be a Patreon. Just go up to the donation at the top of the page. At check it out. There's many different ways. Like I said, you got Patreon. You can do different tiers. So that's a great way. We uh, there's uh, you can do cryptocurrency. You know, you can we, they accept Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, Bitcoin Cash. So if you've got cryptocurrency, that's another great way. And if you just look at the donation section, there's lots of great ways to donate. It goes to a great cause, and it keeps this uh, station up and going and uh, the great information flowing. So uh, definitely donate any little bit of amount that you can helps, So and it's for a great cause. So if you can, please do help out and keep this information flowing because it's getting harder and harder to get good information out there without being uh, censored, as I was saying. So, But... Enough of me babbling on like I tend to do. I would just want to welcome my guest to the show. We definitely got an amazing guest this evening. I'm so excited to interview him. And I've been watching uh, so many videos and uh, interviews that he's done. Checked out his website. And you definitely want to go to his website, which is thewebmatrix.net. So check that out. And it's an amazing site. And I'll let him explain to everybody what it's all about. And... What you can find there, it's super interesting, and so I'm great to have him here. I'm so excited, so I just want to welcome Mr. Dan Willis to the show. How are you doing this evening, Dan, and thank you so much for being here. Quip Rick, uh, it's a pleasure joining you on Revolution Radio. <laughs> exactly, that was awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, as I've been telling people, I'm so excited to have you uh on the show tonight because uh as i've been talking to you like behind the scenes and we've been chatting for a week or so and i was letting you know that i'm try i'm really big in trying to pre let people know that they should start prepping a little and stuff and what got me worried was when i started asking people are closest to me and like in my neighborhood and my friends and even some of my family members that if they've done any prepping at all and I was really shocked how many of them, like all of them pretty much said no. Most of them said they had maybe like a week's worth of food at the most. Most said about three days and the rest said maybe a week and they had no like supplies or anything like that. And I found that really alarming and kind of I was like, wow, like I really thought that with all that's going on in the world and what people are seeing going on in Ottawa, that that would kind of make them realize how fragile our system is and – they would start thinking about that and they just don't seem to be. So I know that you definitely are a prepper. You live totally off grid, which I think is so amazing. And I'm looking forward to learning about tonight. And so I wanted to get you on to let people know how they can start prepping and not do it, you know, not break the budget doing it. Cause a lot of people are on budgets. I am on a budget. So I'm always wondering how can I do this? How can I work my way off grid uh, without, you know, breaking the bank kind of thing. So I would love for you to help, explain all of this to people for sure there's a spectrum you know of, of different situations out there for people from you know being homeless who you know sleeping under uh, bridges and stuff to people who are you know worked a lot of their life and they've got a pretty big savings and they've got you know their retirees and they've got lots of money but they 
but they wanted to be, they want to, they see the writing on the wall and they want to be more self-sufficient, you know. So, you know, we'll address, uh, you know, you need to have some kind of money in order to right. get self-sufficient. You know, you need to start out somewhere. Um, and, you know, I have to say, you know, I, when I was, uh, working with the, uh, Naval Electronics Engineering Center for about 13 years on all their, you know, all their electronic equipment and you know satellite communication systems i was uh you know nine to five you know and then mm-hmm. on the weekends you know just being stressed out from working all week i ended up you know going on dates and spending all kinds of money and everything to try to balance my life out you know with having right, fun yeah. Yeah. and i think a lot of people do the same and you know i was just thinking you know when i you know, have to have to dish out this money. I have to pay the landlord. I've got to pay the electric bill. I got to pay the telephone bill. You got to pay the trash bill. You got to pay the water bill. Uh, mm-hmm. And you, you know, transportation, your fuel. <laughs> yeah, you, you end up being this uh, distributor of 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 all your money. And by the end of the uh, day, you know, you don't have a whole lot left, you know, distributing it to all these uh, different sources of. Uh... So, you know, when I was sitting at, in front of all this uh, electronic equipment and things working, I was plotting my escape. And I was thinking, how can I I got to do either I got to do one of two things. Either I got to make a blast of money, you know, legally you know, somehow. Mm-hmm. Or um, I've got to figure out how I can, without reducing the quality of my lifestyle uh, and and living, but reduce the overhead and the the things that I'm addicted to to, that I need to have in my life, you know, like a a house, you know, or, or, you know, someplace to sleep, uh, make food, you know, keep warm, you know, all those basic things. And so from a very... um, so I can relate to the person who, you know, is doesn't have a big budget, but they want to move forward on being completely self-reliant and self-sufficient. So, um, you know, my plan back then was, uh, you know, to get a, uh, a bread van, which I did. And I figured out, well, how to um, get solar panels on the roof. And I, I figured out, you know, how to make a nice little insulate it really well and put a little sleeping chamber. And uh, I was even thinking of growing some, uh, you know, hydroponic food and, you know, doing as much mm-hmm. as self-sufficient. Right. Um, and then uh, when I made enough money in the future... Uh, you know, find some land that was inexpensive, uh, or, you know, or make payments on it, you know, because land, you know, and land is, you know, going up in value now. Everybody's sure. buying, buying it. Right. Uh, but there's some, you know, rural places that you can go to. Um, the main thing is if you, uh, you know, get some land, uh, try to, Make sure you have water, you know, make sure there's there's water on the land so you can put a well in. Mm-hmm. Uh, although there is options where they have uh, technologies that will pull from the oxygen in the air and convert it to water. So you're not, you know, totally um, dependent on that. And if you use certain growing technologies, 
um, you don't need a whole lot of water so that, uh, you know, there's not a big water demand. So there's ways to, ways to go around that. So the, the idea is, you know, um, you know, in the, this is like a progression thing. So you, you move and you move in progression as your budget allows. Right. Uh, as we were get, talking about earlier, that you don't have to do it all. That, and that's what I have to remember too, Dan, is that you don't have to do it all at once. Like, and that's what we were saying when we were talking off the air. You start small and then you just keep adding to it as you can afford it. And so, I mean, I think a lot of people should realize that. Like, I think you have to do it all at once. That's kind of where my mindset was like, I have to spend all this money and set it up all at once. But you were saying, no, you can do it. Per, you can start small and work your way up, which it makes good sense. Yeah, it's too intimidating to try to think. Oh, for sure. How, how, do, how do I take care of all these things and, and do it all at once? And I need all this money and I, I need all this uh, and I can't afford, uh, you know, engineers to do this for me. And so I got to learn how to how to do it myself and, you know, to save money and so forth. So, yeah, getting a getting some type of uh, little RV, you know, like or, or a little van or um, or even a little trailer, what? What I ended up doing was um, I uh, picked up a, this Airstream trailer. Uh, well, once I was able to, uh, you know, I made some money on the internet back in the back in the days when it was still easy to figure out the algorithms on the search engines and stuff like that. <laughs> For sure. Uh, and and was able, you know, back in. Uh, 1999, I, uh, I picked up, uh, some property and it was pretty inexpensive. Uh, it was totally raw land. There wasn't anything on it. No roads, no well, you know, no power, no nothing. <laughs> um, and wow. so what I did was I had a road put in going up to the top of this hill and I picked up an Airstream trailer and, uh, and moved the trailer up to the top of the hill. And uh, what I did was I, uh, at the time, I set up a, uh, uh, you know, a satellite link, you know, so I could have some Internet. It's good. You got, need to have Internet for a number of different reasons, three different things. Okay, uh, and what are those three? Those three are you want to have, um, you want to have a phone communications, because cell phone is just too expensive. Not unless you do like, uh, like my wife and I. We we pay ten dollars a year for a uh, pay-as-you-go plan, which we only use wow. the cell phone when it's activated, right? In a ten cents a minute. But since I'm not paying, like some people pay, like God, like a hundred bucks a month or something ridiculous. Yeah, I pay like seventy-nine dollars a month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we only uh, we only use, you know. Uh, you know, that in an emergency, but actually, uh, my wife and I, we both are licensed amateur radio operators, so we have, uh, communications within 50 miles of our home, uh, for free. We can talk as long as we want, you know, when we have it in our vehicles, so that, for sure. uh, yeah, that's smart. We can communicate to each other for free, so, you know, it's something good to take advantage of. Um, and there's other other means of communications. We'll cover all the bases, you know, water, power, communications, uh, uh, Food. You know, heating, <laughs> cooling, uh, you know, all those things. We'll we'll go over each one of them. And, okay. 
and look at what the how is the the least expensive and what what systems are out there that are efficient and there's a lot better systems that are out now than when I was you know first doing this so so I moved the trailer up to the top of the hill and that was great you know because boom no rent right that's true <laughs> yep and I had enough money I could pay for the land but even if you're paying a, a mortgage a monthly fee that's like a super investment because um, the land's just going to appreciate in value. And so it's, it's the best money investment you could do is instead of putting it in the landlord's pocket, you know, you're, you're putting it into investment that you can uh, reap in the future if you so decide. But you'll probably end up, um, you know, you'll probably end up, you know, enjoying living on your land. For sure. So, yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I set up a, a satellite system back then, you know, 1999. They had, you know, the Hughes systems and which are, they don't have the Starlink, which is way better, uh, you know, uh, you know, download speeds, um, and the latency. The, the problem with, um, the problem with the old systems with, with, uh, satellite system is that the satellites were so far out there, it creates a latency. So it really didn't work out well for, uh, internet phone like, like what we're using right now on Skype. Right, right, right. And, uh, you know, you can get a Skype number or you can get a Google number. In fact, you can get a, a Google device that, uh, is like 50 bucks and you can have a free phone number and they even have phones that work with it. That, uh, you know, so you can, you can basically have, or, you know, pay 25, 30 bucks a year and you have a, you have a phone number and you can pick the area code that you're in. And so that takes care of your, your phone bill and it has your answering service so you get your messages and everything. Uh, and so that works out really well. And especially, you know, if you, if you travel into town, um, there's Wi-Fi spots all over the place, you know, and there's even apps that have show you where all the Wi-Fi app spots yes, you're are. Right. Yep, that's true. And and you know you can just make your make check in your phone calls and you know see if you had any messages and talk as long as you want without you know having a lot of heavy radiation going into your head too. Another benefit of uh, using Wi-Fi for uh, communications. Um, so. Um, yeah, so the three things with uh, having Internet connection is, one, you want to have that telephone uh, capability to be able to communicate. Mm -hmm. uh, second, you want to have Internet, obviously. Uh, and, and third, you want to have entertainment, you know. And, you know, the, you know on, on YouTube and Rumble and BitChute and everything, there's way better in entertainment than you can ever get with the cable television, you know. Oh, I agree totally. I haven't had cable television forever. I <laughs> there's just, yeah, there's way better on what you, the platforms you just said. A lot more informative and way better. I agree. Way better. And, you know, if you have to see what uh, mainstream Hollywood is uh, is doing, you know, you can, you know, do – one of the services, you know, like uh, Amazon Prime or mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't know, I'm not into them. You know, the <laughs> Netflix is horrible, it's all evil programs and stuff like that. But anyway, so internet's important, and another thing important is to um, hardwire everything so you're not exposed to Wi-Fi. 
my wife and I, you know, we use our tablets, which have a little adapter that's, that costs uh, uh, like 15, 20 bucks or something like that. And you get a faster connection. Uh, and you don't have to have the Wi-Fi. And what we have is a- around the house, we have different places where you can plug in. And it's convenient, you know, so you can, if you want to check on your tablet or whatever, um, you don't have Wi-Fi in your living space, which is, you know, kind of a health concern. Yeah, they're they're starting to find out there's a lot of, I, I was looking into that about the people that are exposed to a lot of Wi-Fi, and there is, it is affecting people's health, whether they realize it or not, especially cell phones, and uh, it's really shocking when you start looking into that. Like what it's doing to people, like the soup that we're kind of living in, in our homes and stuff like that with all the Wi-Fi around us. And so I get what you're saying for sure. Yeah. So if you're hardwire, uh, you alleviate that. You don't have any problem with that. And you get a faster, faster connection. connection. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I guess we're jumping into communication. So, uh, well, before I had the satellite, obviously I had to have power, you know, mm-hmm. so Actually, the first thing before I moved the trailer up, the very first thing I did was uh, set up a solar array. And, you know, for people who who don't have a lot of money, there's some good deals going on uh, that weren't available when I was uh, doing this. In fact, I spent a fortune on solar panels compared to what they are today. And, my God, I only had like a... A two and a half kilowatt array, which is not that much. Now I have a, a nine kilowatt array, and I paid a fraction <laughs> of, the, wow, of the money yeah. for it. And that's the thing I hear a lot about Dan too. When I ask my friends, like, you know, what, like, why are you not prepping? Why are you not trying to go off grid or at least reduce your your bills and that with solar panels? And that's always what they tell me is that they're too expensive. And we, I remember talking to you about that, and I was like, you know. It probably costs like ten grand or something like that to start with these solar panels and that, and then you can let people know what you can like how much it would cost to start off small. And I was very shocked that it's not that expensive. People like it really. I thought he was going to say ten grand or twenty thousand or something like that. So let people know it like you can do it pretty cheap, a lot cheaper than I thought. Yeah, you you size you size your. Um, you, there's a couple of things you have to do. You, first of all, you have to figure out what are you going to be using for your electrical loads? Like, say, for example, you have your um, your MacBook or your notebook or whatever, and you have your uh, your cell phone, uh, which you know I, I leave it off <laughs> most of the time. Um, and then you have your LED lighting, you know, which consumes a lot less less power. Mm-hmm. Um, you may have some pumps that you run uh you may have um um you know, there's, there's you know different uh, like different, like on, i'm just wondering like like about your stove and freezers i know a lot of people would probably worry about that like their fridge their stove and that when you start adding that stuff are you increasing the load drastically well yeah the refrigerator is like one of the biggest uh uh consumers you know, so if you're you're starting out small, you know, you can go with a uh, a small uh, a small like RV type uh, refrigerator that uh, they have them. You know, so they run 110 volts or 12 volts or right. or you know propane. 
Um, the one I set up was actually a, a DC one that was a 24-volt DC. Our original system was a 24-volt DC, and we upgraded it to a 48-volt system, which is much more efficient. You get uh, greater efficiency out of that. And so what I did was I ran a uh, DC to DC converter to convert the 48 down to 24 to run the refrigerator, which I keep trying to convince my wife we should get a new refrigerator. Right. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, the refrigerator is the uh, the big hog. Uh, but you know the the compressor motors only run. Uh, so you want to uh, where you can save on power there is insulate it well. And, you know, try not to keep the refrigerator door open too much because right? all the cold runs out and then the pump has to run more. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, when you look for appliances, I'll, you know, look at the, uh, Energy Star ones. Look at the, and there's reviews online of, and they'll show you which ones consume the least amount of power. And so, you want to go for a, a trade-off of, you know, what you want for a refrigerator, you know, how big you want it and everything like that, and a trade-off to uh, which one consumes the least amount of power. So, so considering your loads that you're going to be running, once you kind of add that up, and what's really handy for that also, if you don't know what the everything consumes, uh, is get a little watt meter. Uh, you know, they... They're inexpensive. They're like, uh, you know, 20 bucks or something like that. You, you plug it in and it'll tell you how many watts is running. Now, as an exercise, I know this is kind of excessive, but I actually measured every single thing that I have just because for my own curiosity, I wanted, to, and I made it kind of like a little spreadsheet table, uh, and showing which things consume the most power to which things consume the least amount of power right. just for my own knowledge. Yeah, I'm curious of that too with my house. I, I think that's really neat. I would like to know what I'm using and I think that gives people a good basis on what they're going to need for solar panels. You and have to. You have yeah. to know what you're, you have to know what you're putting out before you know what you need to get to, to run it all. Yeah, there's a couple of factors in determining your, uh, your solar system. Um, Unfortunately, they haven't released the zero-point energy devices yet, so we still have yeah, to. Yeah, we have to get into that primitive. too. <laughs> <laughs> we have to work with the primitive uh, technologies that are available, but they're doable. They are doable. Um, uh, for you have to, uh, you have to figure out how much, what loads you're going to run, how how often you're going to run them, and. And your weather that's in your area. If you're in like um, Tucson, Arizona, for example, you're going to have a lot of sunshine. So you don't right. have to worry about it. You're going to have so much power coming in. If you're living way up in Canada and maybe some areas that are, uh, you know, like where you are, uh, mm -hmm. you get in the wintertime, you get like totally fogged in, totally cloudy, uh, you're going to have a reduction in your solar output. So you have to kind of compensate for that by, uh, by both having a, a larger solar array so that when the sun does shine, uh, you're getting maximum power and you want to have enough storage so that when the sun is shining, it's, it fills up your reservoir of energy, so to speak, in your, your batteries. And 
And so that when the sun isn't shining, you're running on your reserves on your, on your storage. And so you're kind of doing this little, this little dance. It's kind of like being at sea on a sailboat. You know, you're kind of working with the winds and your sails, you know, to. Right. <laughs> No, that no, that makes total sense. And is that where a lot of people like a lot of people tell me too that the batteries for these solar like it's one thing to get the solar panels, and they I've heard that they are expensive, but coming down. And as uh, I've been learning from you, that they're a lot cheaper. And then I hear that the batteries are that's the real cost is that is getting enough exactly. batteries. So that's yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about was the batteries. They're the, the batteries body, are, they, are your biggest expense, no okay. doubt a question. With with solar panels, there's there's uh, situations that weren't available when, like I was saying earlier, there were situations that are available that weren't uh, weren't available back then. But now, because they have these huge solar farms, like say in Arizona and so forth, that what they're doing is they're upgrading to larger, more output panels. And so what they do is they these companies come and they do these deinstalls where they take all these panels. And then the panels are still meeting specifications, except they're, you know, a little little cosmetic flaws, uh, you know, here and there. But they're right. I've measured them and they're 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 putting out. And for example, and you can find these on eBay. Uh, for example, I uh, I bought like a like I mentioned, I bought like a pallet full, about uh, 22 panels. Uh, what I did was I did a group buy with uh, friends and families and neighbors. That all wanted all wanted to be off grid in case something went went down. Right. And so um, and so what happens is uh, you get these 250 watt panels that are um, and they're uh, monocrystalline, which is pretty high output uh, for including the shipping costs because the, the freight costs is, is kind of expensive getting it. But even including the shipping charge the panels ended up to being around fifty dollars each for 250 watt panels so if you had four of these that's a that's a kilowatt that's a thousand watts for like 200 bucks for example that's amazing uh, so you know but i would recommend you know at least a uh you know a five kilowatt system that will take care of all your needs but what's nice is uh it's best to buy all your panels at once, as I mentioned, uh, just because you want them all matched, the same spec, the same, because you lose, uh, if there's a mismatch, if you're using different types of panels, different wattages, you're going to lose a lot because uh, you're going to have mismatches. Right. So it's best to get all the same type of panel and buy them, buy as many as you can, as much as you can afford all at once and say, for example, you get... Uh, you get 20 panels, for example, and that would give you 20 panels would give you what five kilowatts, right? Um, that's right, yeah. And that's right. enough. To, you were saying that's uh, the five kilowatts is more than enough for most people to run their houses. Am I correct, or do you need more than that? Oh no, that that should run. Uh, you know, not unless you have some big pigs. Now, keep in <laughs> mind if you have like a electric heating, you have electric stove. Uh, you're using incandescent lights. Uh, you know, you're, you're not set up. <laughs> you're yeah. not set up correctly. Right. You know? Yeah, and that makes sense. You have to, like from what I'm understanding, you have to kind of sacrifice a few things if you want to start on this journey of going off-grid. We have to kind of learn to be more efficient, and I think that a lot of people aren't very efficient anymore, and I think they, I think they do that by design, that 
that we're just, you know, we're not efficient with a lot of things anymore. And it's just, I think when you're going off grid, you just have to kind of rethink everything. And, you know, like you said, use the proper light bulbs, get everything that you need and kind of check out, like, you know, what you're putting out. So you design it from the ground up. Right, right. Makes sense. So, um, and so the next expense is a charge controller. And what you want to do is you want to get an MPPT charge controller. Stands for maximum power point tracking. In other words, it it tracks the output of the panel so that there's a uh, voltage and current curve, and there's a point where it's at the maximum power, and it tracks that, and it gives you like 30% more power, and so you're you're getting more bang for your buck, you know, so to speak, with an MPPT, and. And they're kind of pricey if you get your regular, you know, Schneider and Outback have, uh, have, have really good quality, uh, charge controllers. But I've seen some, uh, knockoffs on eBay and stuff. And I'm, I'm just talking to the people who are on, on a super budget. Um, okay. you may not get the tech support, <laughs> you know, that yeah. you would with buying a, you know, a, uh, five, six hundred dollar charge controller, but you, uh, but you pay a whole lot less. Uh, so I've seen like, uh, I've seen like, you know, 60, 80 amp charge controllers going for pretty inexpensive. And then, you know, what it is, a solar system is basically you have your solar panels and then the, the cabling that connects, uh, goes to a, um, distribution box that ties all the solar panels together, you know, in series or parallel. You have to understand the basics of you have to match. I don't want to go in. I don't want this to be a technical thing, uh, but okay. you, you have to uh, do the correct voltage input for the uh, charge controller. Then the charge controller basically controls the charge, as it's called, into the batteries like say it'll be programmable to like a 12 volt, a 24, 48 volt batteries. Um, now I originally started out with lead acid, which is the cheapest of all things, but they are actually the most, <laughs> they're the most expensive in the long run because you have to replace them after about five years. Exactly. And, and they are, they're heavy. They yep. uh, are maintenance intensive. You have to make sure that the water levels are filled up correctly with the distilled water. Uh, they will get battery acid on your clothes and eat little round holes into your clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, they, um, they're, they're heavy. They won't allow more than a 50% depth of charge, whereas compared to, uh, like, say, Chemistries like uh, lithium ferrophosphate, which is completely safe. You don't have to worry about it exploding. It's biodegradable. Um, it uh, you can go down to uh, 90% charge. Although I don't recommend more than 80% right. uh, depth of charge. Uh, they're probably completely maintenance free. The, the, mm-hmm. I got uh, the batteries that we're using is from from Simplify. Um, the government and military uses them. They're not cheap. They're the most expensive part of the thing. There is another downfall with uh, the lithium ferrophosphate is that they won't take a charge below freezing. 
And so what you have to do is either have it in your house where, or someplace where it's not going to go below 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. Or but what I had to do, I had an extra little Airstream Bambi trailer that I kind of gutted out and I use it for the, the power pod, I guess you call it. And uh, I made these insulated boxes. So, But I, over, I did way overkill. I didn't need it. Because when it's like 15 degrees outside, it's still 45 degrees inside the uh, the box. So I, I did a way more insulated than needed. Uh, right. And so that solves the insulation problem. So, yeah. That's the, really, yeah, that's really interesting. And I, the only reason I know what you're talking about a little bit with the batteries is because I have an electric scooter. And um, when I bought it, it had the lead acid batteries, which weigh, like you say, they're so heavy. And then I slowly converted, I, I eventually converted over to lithium batteries, which are a quarter of the size, no weight right. to them hardly at all, uh, hold the charge way longer, right. and they were just a bonus all. But like you were saying, they are more expensive, that's for sure. Like that's the one thing I, I know for a fact because I had to buy some, but they're, they're definitely worth their money if you're going to oh. – for sure, if you like, I would go with lithium. Like that, I'm just saying in my case with for an electric scooter. I'm sure for for housing and doing these solar panels, they're kind of probably different. But I do understand what you're saying about the lead acid compared to the the lithium. There's a big difference, and it's worth the money in my opinion. Oh well, yeah, you, they're actually less expensive if you look at the long run because long run, right, right. Because uh, I've I've got a 10 year warranty from the company. That it would, it's going to produce the spec on the, on the batteries just so long as I don't ever take it below 80% depth of charge. So long as I don't go below 80%. Now, I've never had to go anywhere near there. So, um, so the, the know that in 10 years, in 10 years, we're going to have something that's the size of a shoebox that's going to give you, you know, 30 kilowatts. Of, of power that, uh, you know, well, we're hoping you can... in 10 years they will. <laughs> who oh, knows it... with the way things are going, they may never even let that happen. I mean, who knows? Well, I have a different view. Uh, I have a view that it might be way sooner than that. So, but, you know, that's, uh, we'll see how the, <laughs> how things, things will play out. Right. Uh, I've had, 10 years experience of uh, meeting with scientists and inventors all around the planet. And I've seen things work, uh, you know, I know I definitely want to cover that in the second hour. Like we'll we'll do, we'll, we'll talk about that in the second. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. So yeah, we got, we're talking about the power. But I love talking about this subject because I never get to talk about it. Well, yeah. And I think it's an important subject, uh, Dan, because as I was saying, I don't think people, I, I really don't know why people have so much faith in the system because, uh, I mean, I have always known that we're on a very fragile system. And if the food trucks stop coming and that I don't think people are really ever think about, are they ready for uh, not being prepared? And uh, like I was telling you off here, I have a friend and he showed me his, his bug out bag. And I was telling you, it probably weighs like we were laughing because it weighed, probably weighs about 300 pounds or 350 pounds. This thing was huge. And I'm like, how are you going to carry that on your back if you got to bug out in a hurry? And so I just don't. It's yeah. not. Yeah, you have to be practical. And I've always known like I'm learning how to prep better. I always known to store food and I do that. And I've got probably about a year's worth um, of food that I could live off of. And I have water stored. I know the well, basics. You know, picture yourself. What are you going to be out there in the wilderness with a 300-pound yes. pack, freezing your butt off? Um, 
Yep. You know, <laughs> and that's yeah. Uh, yeah. And I just laugh at that. I'm just like that's. And so I'm like, you really got to. I mean, and I think a lot of things people have to learn bush skills and all of that kind of stuff. But that's what I always hear from people is that they just can't afford it. That's 90 percent of what people tell me is that they can't afford to to prep. They can't afford to buy extra stuff. And and I like that we're talking that there isn't a you can do it small. You can start off slow and small and work your way up. And that's why I love talking about this, because I think it's extremely important the way the world's going. Yeah, you could start out, you know, living in a van, putting some solar panels on your roof, uh, and you could work it out with a with a small lithium barrel phosphate battery, um, with your inverter and everything, so that you know you're running your notebook, you've got lighting, and you've got you got plenty of power just for you know low consumption thing, and you have you have your RV or whatever super well insulated, you know, so that. Uh, you know, you're, you're staying comfortable. And for, you know, batteries, uh, you can, uh, for the, you know, I'm trying to address both the, the person who's, you know, trying to figure out how to escape and, you know, maybe moving from an RV onto land eventually or whatever to the person who's retired and, you know, has a lot of money and just tell me what to get kind of thing. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, you can, they have, uh, kind of do it yourself. Uh, you can find these on eBay too, that, that, uh, you know, lithium ferro phosphate LFP for short, uh, batteries that, you know, you can stack them and put them together and you can add to them. And you have to have, you need to have a little bit of knowledge. You know, you need to have, fortunately, you know, for myself, you know, I, I worked in electronic engineering for many years. I was a broadcast engineer, the most powerful FM station on the West Coast for about seven years. And and so I have a lot of, uh, I have a lot of technical background. Sure. Um, and so this is like, you know, easy for me. Uh, for some people, they would like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Um, yeah, that's me, but, by the way. That would be me. I have no <laughs> idea. I wouldn't know how, any idea. You could you could ship me the solar panels, Dan, right now and give me everything I need in a, in a big, nice box and put it on my doorstep, and I would be like, great. I have no idea what to do with any of this. <laughs> well, thank so, God for YouTube videos, you know. True. There's a lot of stuff that I don't know that I find out, you know, somebody on YouTube shows me how to do something. Um like, um, you know, anyway, there's complicated stuff. Uh, and it'll t- walk you through step by step of what you can do, you know. And yep. because if you call up a solar company, the engineer is going to charge you an arm and a leg, uh, you know, to hook up things. And you may have, you know, county things that need to be addressed and, you know, all, you know, it's just never ending. Um, so you can do it yourself. Um you know, you know, my wife and I and have been just, doing it just over 20 small. years now. Yeah, <laughs> and just start small. That's what I, I love that you said that when we were talking, that you don't have to go huge at first. Like, And then the more you start small and gain your knowledge and improve everything as you go, and you become more and learn more and more as you go along. Yeah, I, you know, I went with an uh, – there's two main uh, off-grid uh companies one's called Snyder the other one's called uh, Outback I went with the Outback system um, and it you know I've got two charge controllers and I've got the inverter uh, inverter charger so that uh, you know you can pick up like a little propane generator for like uh, I, <laughs> I had this big Guardian electric one it was like 
horrible self-destruct and the, the engine just seized on it. It was thousands <laughs> of dollars. And I, you know, so I just, you know, ordered on, on, uh, Amazon. A, uh, it was like, um, uh, like 600 and some dollars for a propane gas and propane, but I just used the propane. Uh, it's like a three, 3,500 watt, uh, little generator and it, it does the job fine. Like you only use that rarely when in the winter time there's no sun, like the sun goes out, uh, in the, in the Northwest and Canada and so forth. When it goes out for like several days, you're not getting any sun. You need to top up the batteries. And so, right. you know, it'll, it'll pump in the power into the inverter charger that charges the battery and bring you up, you know, just for those days that are rare that you have to run the generator. Right. Uh, and that's what I was asking you too. If you remember when we were ta- uh, chatting, I was uh, texting, I was asking you because I do listen to Dane Winning- Wingington and I'm sure that people that are in the chat and listening, they've uh, checked out his uh, YouTube channel. He does a weekly show where he talks about the spraying going on over our heads, geoengineering and that. And he also is on totally off grid and runs solar panels and some other things. And he talks a lot about how when they're spraying over his head that he loses up to 75 to 80 percent of his solar intake i guess they call it forgive me dan i don't know all the technical terms so i'm if i'm wrong i if i say it wrong i apologize but i guess he's not getting like he's losing up to 80 percent of his solar charge on the days that they're spraying are you noticing what he's noticing like do you notice on days that they're spraying over your head as you're yeah. Battery thing well, dying? I have, like I you're have using... metering and monitoring on everything, so I know exactly what everything's doing. And uh, yeah, the only thing with the chemtrails when they do that, and usually after the the chemtrail, there's clouds that come in all over the place, and that's right. what. Uh, but you know, a cloudy day is, is not a problem. Uh, right now, I'm I'm at 100% charge right now. Uh, but earlier this morning, it it, it was snowing. <laughs> Just like uh, it was snowing like about an hour or two ago, and now it's like bright and sunny. And when it's one nice thing is when it's cold and it's sunny, you're kicking butt for power. There's like a huge amount of power coming in when the solar panels okay. really produce a lot of power when it's cold. So, um, I would have thought uh, the, the opposite. Only... See, I didn't even know that. I thought that it'd be it when the cold, it'd be less. It shows what oh, I know. Oh, no, no. That's when you get the most power, you know, uh, is when it's cold and sunny. That's, I think you're really putting out a lot of power. Um, but, you know, in the summertime, it's sunny most of the time. So, you know, you're, you're putting out plenty of power. So it's kind of a nice thing when it's in the wintertime, you know, because when you get the only time I notice that the power goes down quite a bit is that when you get the freezing fog, when the fog comes in where you can't even see you know we're on a we're on kind of a mountaintop here and it's surrounded by pine trees and everything and when you can't even see the pine trees around you uh and the fog's that thick that's when i don't get any hardly any power at all but other than that uh we've had uh conditions where i don't know if antifa's running around setting fires or whatever but (laughs) we had such uh so much so much smoke, it was like extremely hazardous according to the, uh, the, the weather quality monitor. Uh, but it was still producing power, even with the smoke. 
You know, because okay. the sun was still coming through. You could still see the sun, you know, in there. So, um, so that's, that's not too much of a concern other than, you know, in, in the winter time. But, you know, if you sized yourself correctly, like for example, uh, with the simplify batteries, I had four of them, four 3.7 kilowatt hour batteries that were tied, uh, tied in parallel. And, uh, so I only had about 15 kilowatt hours of, of storage, which, I thought it was all going to be all I needed, but I was noticing that in the uh, wintertime, man, the thing the thing just got charged up, and then I'm losing out on all this power, all this power right. I could be storing, you know. And so uh, my wife and I decided, okay, we're going to bite the bullet. We're going to expand the uh, the uh, the storage so add in another four in parallel what's nice about it is you can't do that with lead acid you can't you can't uh, take a set of batteries and add another new set of batteries onto the old set of batteries right um, i remember that yeah and so with the battery management system and everything it allows you to incrementally as your budget allows so, you know, went ahead and, um, you know. <laughs> uh, the more batteries, the more power you're, you're saving, though. I get what you're saying. Like, why you're waiting. Like, I get what you're saying. In the winter, you're you were missing out on all this power you could be storing. So. Right. It was it, a sunny day, and it was like the batteries got filled right up. And then the rest, for like several hours, I was missing out on all these multiple kilowatts that could have been stored away. And so now we've got a, our systems really nicely balanced where our loads and how much we use and even in the winter when it's cloudy, everything balances out perfectly. So there's always an abundance of power. So um, that's the place you want to get to. Right. So now let's look at some other avenues here. I know we're running out of time on our first hour. Yep, I yep. wanted to we got about cover eight minutes, other so. aspects. So, so that's with power. Power is important, you know, and internet connection, connectivity, communications. Uh, another thing on communications is you can, uh, for 25 bucks, if you don't have a ham radio license, uh, you can, um, <laughs> you can look up a, uh, oh, what's it called? Oh, got a mental blank. It's a, uh, I'm thinking a uh, hand radio, but I know that's not what you mean. I'm I'm th like a walkie-talkie or something like that, but yeah, it's a ah uh, uh, one Is that, one second. I, I got to look it up problem. really yep, really not a problem. here because this could help some people that don't have they you know they're not inclined to get a ham radio license. Which uh, I do think is only... important too, don't you? Like I think a lot of people should start looking at that technology too, that older technology, hand radios, because if they ever do shut everything down, at least you can keep in touch that way. Which I I really do want to learn how to do that and get involved in that. Something I've been wanting to do for a long time. I think that would be really important. Research communications. Because I think, like, they, and I'm sure you would agree, Dan, that in a, if there ever is a, a scenario where everything kind of goes down, communication is going to be something very sought after. That's how you're going to be able to find out what's going on and everything like that, get you in touch with other people that are, um, oh. like, 
prepping or whatever? Yeah, yeah. You what you want is a um, it, it's called a UV. That's like Uniform Victor Dash Five R, like Romeo UV Five R. Twenty five bucks. It will do all the ham bands and the UHF VHF bands. It will do all of the. Um, it, you can you can set it up for scanning all the police radio, uh, fire, uh, emergency, you know, all your local wow, communications to know what's going on. Plus, it'll do all 22 of the um, the uh, family radio service and the uh, global uh, general mobile radio service, which has repeaters. Um, and if you use it for in that way, you you know, technically for the FCC, you need to get a uh, uh, general mobile radio service license, which is a one-time fee. Okay. Uh, amateur amateur radio, I think it's like ten bucks or something like that. It's really inexpensive, but the uh, other ones like a little bit more money. I, I think they dropped the fee on it. But what's cool about these? Uh, they're like four watts of power, unlike the little family radio things that are only like a half a watt or something. Okay. Uh, so you have much greater range, and so if you get two of those, you know you can keep in touch with uh with your mate or your friend or whatever um at a pretty long distance and if you get an external antenna you can have a really long distance so yeah that's really uh, cheap too for 25 bucks and somebody in the chat is asking uh greg fernandez jr is asking family radio question mark so what do you mean by family radio oh family radio service is uh it's called frs you know it's the stuff you buy in the store that's uh uh, walkie-talkies that okay. uh, you can program them from channel one to channel 22, and people can, you know, when they're out camping and stuff, you can communicate to each other. Okay. Uh, general mobile radio service is more for um, uh, you can go up to higher wattages, like you can go up to. Let's see, yeah, you can go up to. 50 watts, yeah, yeah. Uh, most of oh, the, uh, yeah, most of the little handy walkie-talkies are only a half a watt, uh, and so, uh, yeah, yeah. And so it's another option for in the communications range. You can use that. Uh, amateur radio is great because you know you can go up to. 2000 peak envelope power, you know. Yeah, I, I really want to get into I really want to, I've always wanted to get like an old, uh, like set up a system where I could actually, like the amateur radio that you kind of see people doing, just to, you know, kind of form a community of people that are like minded and kind of prepping and they're ready for that scenario. So, I mean, I think that's a really good advice to, to get a radio like that because I do think that if everything does go down, which I could see happening, you know, at least I think communication is going to be so important and it's oh, good absolutely. to have a unique communication for, you know, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's how, that's how I got into all the alien stuff is uh communications. I was a high speed code operator receiving messages from ships that reporting extraterrestrials craft coming out in secret classified wow. reports. Oh, I know Chad's uh, going to want to hear about this now. I mean, <laughs> so yeah, I've been a ham radio operator since 1964, uh, so I'm very familiar with all the modalities. I'd recommend getting a uh, getting like a two meter unit, uh, mobile unit uh, that 
you can, you know, you have all repeaters in your area. There's also nets that locally check in. Everybody checks in and stuff like that. So if the, uh, if the grid goes down and the communications all go out and the cell phones go out, you know, you can kind of check in with other people what's going on. Right. Um, to see if uh, the Chinese troops are coming in or whatever. <laughs> oh, no. I, yeah, I mean, I, I just think, yeah, I just think that communication is uh, very important. And, I mean, I think our, like I keep saying, I think their cell phone system, they could turn that down. They could shut that off anytime they want. They could shut down everything if they want. And I really hope that people do realize that. And I think a lot of people just, I know a lot of people I talk to, they're like, they'll that'll never happen. And they kind of believe that. And, I I don't have that much faith in our government. I'm sorry. I just and or to what could happen. And so, I think people just need to start thinking about that. That what are you going to do if it does happen? <laughs> I mean, that's well, a good well, question. You, you want to be able to communicate to your local neighborhood, which is like, right. you know within the local 100 mile range. So UHF, VHF, you know HF gear. You know you go down to 20, 40 meters and stuff like that. I mm-hmm. have that capability, you know, so that I can I could talk to you if I wanted to, for example. On uh, on the east coast, I'm on the west coast in the mountains of uh, Oregon. Um, you know, you can talk all around the world uh, to different places, but you know, uh, you know, stri- strategically, you want to be able to communicate to your local right. area. Right, and we're all. I should uh, don't mean to cut you off, but we are three minutes to the top of the hour, so I know a break oh, is we'll coming up. To, we'll have to bleed over a little bit. Okay, we will. Yeah, we can bleed over a little bit. But I just want to let everyone know we are listening to Dan Willis, and definitely check out his website, thewebmatrix.net. And I'm telling you guys, it's an amazing website. Lots of great information there. Uh, Chronicle order everything. So definitely check it out. We're here with Dan Willis, and we will be back right after this break, guys. Radio, freedomslips.com, number one listener supporter radio, the printing press for freedom at a time when freedom is needed the most.
I am Bill Johnson. Some consider my efforts to be an underground law school. I am not an attorney, and I do not give legal advice. I teach. That's lawful and legal. Consider yourself served. You are to appear Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, Studio A. My forte? Foreclosure and contract law. Grab your legal pad and pen. Learn a broad spectrum of law spanning administrative, criminal, family, tort, and federal law. Fools and losers cling to old cases. I dissect and comment on the latest rulings that control the courts. Don't be a loser. And if you don't appear, you will be held in contempt. I will defend myself against their tyranny. Number three is my radio broadcast. I'm squarely in front of the public all the time, and they all know what's going on. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on for expanding its sphere of influence. Hello, my name is John Wayne. And I do a broadcast here at freedomslips.com, revolution.radio, called The Unequivocal Truth, DEFCON 1. Freedom and fear are at war. And folks, I assure you, we are in Defense Condition 1, Mission 1, as we journey perilously through this paradigm that we currently reside in. And I ask that you join me every Saturday, 8 to 10 p.m., Eastern Standard Time for the Unofficial Truth, DEFCON 1. The original machine had a base plate of pre-famulated amulite surmounted by a malleable logarithmic casing in such a way that the two spurving bearings were in a direct line with a panometric fan. The lineup consisted simply of six hydrocoptic marzal veins, so fitted to the ambifacient lunar wane shaft that side fumbling was effectively prevented. The main winding was of the normal lotus o deltoid type placed in panendermic semi-boloid slots of the stator, every seventh conductor being connected by a non-reversible tremie pipe to the differential girdle spring on the up end of the gram meters. Thank you for listening to Revolution Radio, taking the confusion out of transmutated lunar girdle springs for four years and running. Revolution Radio, the number one listener-supported alternative media radio on the planet. All right, thanks for listening while we took that short break here at Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com. And now we're going to get back to your host. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you guys had or you had yourselves a great break. Got up, stretched a little, and uh, got yourself a drink. And we're having a great time here. I have an amazing guest on, Dan Willis. And you can find him, his website, at thewebmatrix.net. And definitely check it out because, as I keep saying, it's an amazing site. And once you start uh, looking into it, it's gonna. You're gonna start finding some amazing information, and I've, it's a, just a great website. So please check that out, and don't forget, as I always say, it, it, you, this is all listener supported, guys. So please donate if you can. Lots of different ways to make sure that uh, this great station is up and still running. Lots of great host content, and you know any little bit that you can donate helps. Just go up to the donation section, and there's many different ways you can uh, become a Patreon. 
Uh, you can definitely uh, do cryptocurrency. Uh, got uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, Bitcoin Cash. So if you somebody that is into crypto, you definitely got uh, ways you can do it that way. And every little bit helps, guys. And you definitely check out the store. Lots of great, cool stuff in the store. And everything you donate helps to keep this going, keep freedom alive, keep the message out there uncensored which i think is a you know a big thing because as i always say we are being censored so every little bit helps guys and uh it's greatly appreciated so but back to my guest here dan uh welcome back uh for our second hour we are talking about prepping a little and getting off grid slowly and uh first hour we covered solar panels and we're kind of got into the communication part so uh, I I got so many things I want to ask you, Dan. I'm gonna to have to get you on for a second show because there you have so much knowledge, and then on other areas too, where like with UFOs and you know the UFO technology, I, I, there's impossible to cram it all in in two hours. So uh, this show I definitely wanted to cover prepping, though, just because I think people should start getting it in their heads that you know you should start planning, at least have some backup plan and some ultimate means to get yourself power and water and food and stuff like that and not you know trust the system so much that it is a fragile system and it can be taken away at any time and i could see the elite government of the world the evil government i call it the satanic people running this world they it's not past them at some point i could see them shutting things down and a lot of people i don't think they quite understand what that entitles and what that can lead to so does it really hurt to be a little prepared and have some things uh, stored up in that? So thank you for being here, Dan. I'm having a great time uh, learning a lot of things here. So welcome back for the second uh, hour here. I'm having an absolute blast. This is fun. I <laughs> Me too. I love I talking great about time. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah because I, it's important. You, can, you can escape slavery. You can escape your dependence on the corporations that are mm-hmm. you can't depend upon. Uh, and, you know, we... You know, in the beginning, we wanted to address both the person who's like, you know, living out of their van to the person who, uh, you know, saved up enough money, found some land, and then they moved their, their van or, or RV onto the land. And uh, then they have a place to stay while they build their, you know, my wife and I are a big supporter of tiny homes. Tiny homes are awesome. They're easy to heat and cool, uh, lots of building materials. Uh, they can be made really well insulated. Um, they can be really, really nicely laid out. So you're not feeling like you're feeling deprived, you know, or in any way. Um, so yeah, a big supporter of the tiny home movement. Um, and so I, I love the I love the house that like you sent me an aerial drone uh, like a drone footage of your house. And oh yeah, it's hardly inc- a tiny home. Yeah, I uh, know, but it's incredible. Like I mean, it's the house that I think any of us would want to live in. Like I mean, you you can see the solar panels and the way your house is shaped. Like you could just tell that it's meant for maximum uh, efficiency. And I think that that is amazing because I think that everybody, including myself, we waste a lot of power. We're wasting a lot of food. Like we waste a, we just waste a lot, people in this day and age. And I think that they do that by design. I think that's the way our society. We're just a wasteful society now. Like if your TV breaks, you throw it out, you buy a new one, and etc. So, 
seeing a house like yours is very uh, cool, and it's something I definitely would like to strive to get to. It's really cool. Oh, it's a lot of work. It's a it lot is. Of work. We, we, I can my imagine. My wife and I, we bought it as a kit, you know, and uh, had these 300-pound triangles, uh, like seven inches of foam and about an inch of concrete. It's fireproof, but hurricane-proof, tornado-proof, earthquake-proof. Um, you know, so Incredible. that's the nice thing about a geodesic uh, structure. It's like it, it, uh, it, it's almost indestructible, but it was a lot of work, you know, right. um, to put this together. But, you know, when you're living in a forest, you, fire is your biggest threat, you know, mm-hmm. and as you know, there are a lot of homes that are wood, you know, just go poof, you know, in the, for sure. Yeah, and so, yours is okay. fireproof. That's amazing. I didn't even know it was fireproof like that. So you're you're covered. If there's a big fire or anything like that, you'll still be standing there. Your house will be fine. Which is yeah, really- yeah. You have to have you know I have I have large picture windows and things like that, and so we have to we have to have a good fire break from that. And I have water sprinklers on the windows because the 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 glass and the windows you know will. The, the framing can just melt and break out or something, right, you know, if it right. gets too, too crazy. So, you know, but it's, yeah. uh, you know, you have embers that are flying onto a, uh, onto a, uh, non-burnable surface. Uh, you know, you don't have too much to worry about. Right. But, but what's uh, cool is that, what's cool is that you didn't start with that. That's what I like. Like, I mean, I like, the no, fact no, you said you can my start wife small. and I lived for four years in the Airstream motor, uh, Airstream trailer. Right. Um, and you know it's it's actually uh it's when you think about you know you're not paying any rent and you and you've got all the conveniences you've got heating and cooling and stuff you know if you know, say the person that uh is just starting out with an rv or or van or something like that you can uh, have a little tankless uh water heater that you use propane and you can run like a little radiant floor inside to keep it Keep it warm. Uh, you can also uh, use an evaporator cooler. You know, you don't want to use an air conditioning. It takes way more power. That's actually run by the solar panel. And that's what uh, I was using on the uh, trailer was a uh, evaporator cooler. It keeps it nice and cool. Plus, you get fresh oxygenated air in rather than recycled dead air. Uh, so you have heating and Incredible. cooling. We talked about solar. Uh, so, you know, you have your notebook, your phone, your lights, you know, your basics. Um, as far as food, you're going to have to, you know, grow a little garden. I'd recommend making a little, uh, wallapini type greenhouse that's into the, into the earth. So it takes advantage of that. Or just that's a small... another thing that surprised me too, Dan, is that a lot of people aren't gardening anymore. And I, maybe I'm just fortunate that my, my parents always have gardened. So we've always had a huge garden in our backyard. And then when I got my own house, I have a huge garden. So, I mean, it's taken me a few years to get good at gardening. It's not something that you learn, you plant a garden and you figure it all out. I've had to do a lot of trial and error, but I don't even think a lot of people are growing gardens anymore. At least the people I know, you know, they might grow like one tomato plant or something like that. But they're not growing enough food definitely to sustain themselves and do you think that how important do you think that is that people start getting into gardening and learning how to grow and preserve their food and stuff like that? Like, do you think that's I, I think it's very important, but I'd like to get your opinion on it. Well, you know, like uh, Henry Kissinger said, you know, you control the food, control the people. Exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's a lot better growing your own food. 
uh, and starving to death. If the or too many people, uh, previous generations, our our parents and grandparents, uh, you know, made victory gardens and things like that for the war, and and a lot of them were farmers and stuff like that. But now it's all corporations have, have taken over a lot of the fa- farms and everything so it's more centrally controlled and so there's a lot less home farm everybody's too dependent on going to the grocery store and getting exactly getting everything de- totally dependent on it. and if the supply chain got disrupted there would be uh, you know major upheaval so growing your own food is a very major thing for several different reasons one uh for um, uh, self-reliance, uh, you're independent for, for food security in case anything goes down. Uh, that's like a major one. Uh, second one is health. It, growing your own food. There's nothing like the life force. I just had a huge salad uh, my wife put together. Uh, we've got the – we put together a greenhouse and we've got these uh, garden towers, they're called. Uh, GardenTowerProject.com. Give them a plug. You know. Okay. Uh, but I each one, will. each one, uh, each one of these, we've got four of them that are active right now that are producing um, 200 plants. You know, we have 200 plants. We got broccoli, cauliflower, lettuces. Uh, we're going to do another one for strawberries, and so it keeps producing. And it doesn't require any power, and the water gets recycled from a drawer down below. Gets, and then the the soil keeps getting re-nurtured because the center column has lots of big holes in it. And what that is is a vermicomposting column, which you uh, have earthworms, which keep reproducing, and then the worm castings feed the plants, and so the plants are thriving. I sent you a picture of it. Uh, I was just going to ask if that was the picture you sent me, and that's amazing. Like, And it's not taking up a whole lot of room or anything, and it's a self... Four square feet gives you wow. 50 plants, and you can plant the seeds right in it, and then the water gets recycled, so the, nurse, the nutrients and things get recycled back into it. Of course, you want to add some water, but it's very highly water-efficient. And so, so that's a good way to go. We were going to go with an aquaponic, but, um, the aquaponic is a lot more extensive system, requires uh, pumps being run 24-7, uh, which consumes power, and you have to check on your, um, uh, you know, your, uh, your ammonia levels and your nitrites right. and your nitrates and, you know, all this stuff. And if things are out of balance, you're, you know, your your fish will die, your plants will die. With this type of system, it's highly forgiving. Uh, we've been we've been neglecting our worms. We haven't. Well, it just lives on food scraps. So you eat the vegetables, right? And in your kitchen scraps, you just feed it back into the center column, uh, and along with you know brown and green, you know your normal composting things. You know, one part uh, one part green to three parts brown. Uh, like which can be leaves or, or straw or anything that's uh, mm-hmm. composting, and that feeds the uh, that feeds the worms, and the worms feed the plants, and the plants feed you. So it's this wonderful system of giving live food, and uh, that's and that's the one thing I wanted to let you know uh, too, Dan, is that I was I've been doing some research because I do like gardening, believe it or not, and um, I was finding out that the the soil that 
the far, big farms, the corporate farms are using now, they've been it's basically been soil that's been grown nonstop on for like a hundred years or so. There's no nutrients left in this soil. Like you're right. growing, they're growing, they're growing food. They're spraying it with everything. And I don't think people realize, like, yeah, you're buying fresh food and that, but there's no nutrients in it because the soil they're growing it in hasn't had depleted. a break. It's depleted. Yeah. They have it hasn't had a break, and that's why everybody like we're all uh, mineral deficient. A lot of people like our their mineral levels are so low now because of the food, and I think that's why people have to realize you got to start gardening and getting back to that. Oh, absolutely! It's it's fun, you know. It's I love watching plants grow, you know. So the first thing is you know food security. That's number one. Second thing is your health because you're getting nutrient things. You're not you're not getting things that have uh, you know san, uh, E. coli or you know how there's contaminations where they're having recalls and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh, plus, it's not like shipped on a truck, picked early. Uh, and then sitting on the shelf, and by that time, you know, the life force, and and the flavor, the flavor of your own fresh-grown fruit is like nothing compares to it, you know. It's like it's like the best. And the, the fourth thing is you save a lot of money because the food prices are just going up and up and up. And so um, so that that's my recommendation on food or, you know, just growing a – you know, just growing a regular garden and whatever you, wherever you do. So, uh, I'll explain our system that we have up here. We, we've been living off the grid, uh, very efficiently with zero overhead bills, practically. Um, so what we do is I, I have a, I have a well that's down 550 feet in the earth that is powered by a couple of solar panels that uh, pumps it all the way up to the top of the mountain, fills a big 2,000-gallon tank, and that supplies all the water we need. Um, for, um, for heating, we, uh, we use two things. We, we have an outdoor wood boiler, and we're on 22 acres, so there's lots of, you know, dead wood and stuff like that. And so, you know, I have to go play lumberjack. I use an um, electric chainsaw. I have a, a, a DeWalt one. Uh, that, that works great. You, you know, uh, there's no gasoline, oil, there's no smell, no noise. Uh, and I'm able to cut up, you know, huge logs that are like 18 inches in diameter, uh, and feed our wood boiler, which is basically like a, a water jacket that's insulated that heats the water and then it pumps it into our radiant floor and the radiant floor that's embedded into our cement when we we put it together and it's not expensive to do. You know, my wife and I did this, you know, I was, mm-hmm. uh, holding the, the coils while she was tie wrapping it down onto the, onto the thing before the cement poured. Uh, and it keeps it nice and toasty warm in here. And then we also have as a backup is a tankless water heater so that, uh, if for some reason the wood boiler is not producing enough heat, uh, the tankless water heater would kick in and make extra. And that's during the winter months. And during the summer months, we have these vacuum solar tubes that take the energy of the sun and give us hot water. As we have a large tank that has two heat exchangers, one from the wood boiler and the other one from the solar tubes, and they heat the water, which is potable, and that runs through the floor, and we use it for for showering and for the tub and, you know, dishes and everything else like that. That's incredible. 
And, and what I wanted to ask you, I don't mean to cut you off, but just because uh, we're talking about water here, like so and somebody in the chat uh, was saying that living off the grid is tough and that you need a well to do it. And I remember you saying at the beginning that, you know, a well helps, but you don't necessarily need a well. Am I correct when I say that? Well, it's highly recommended you get a well, you know, okay. well, so you have, have plenty of water, this, you know, with the uh I, I, mean, I don't have any experience with the systems uh, that produce water out of the air, but the, you know they produce several gallons a day. But if you're living, you know, if you've got a really, really cheap piece of property, you're able to get because there's no water on it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You don't want to haul water; it's too much of a pain in the butt. Right. right. Uh, you, you know, you can get around as a as a last resort type of thing. But I okay. would uh, definitely. You know, prefer to get some property that has some water and then, you know, you have to test it and make sure it's not toxic. Right. Or, like or at least that. live by a lake or something, like some form of water on your property yeah. if possible. Yeah, a little creek go by or something that you can fill up. And another thing you can do, which I just incorporated into our systems, is uh, the water that comes hits the dome and the water that hits the greenhouse, I have it. I have little rain gutters all the way around, so it collects them all. And in one rainy day, I fill up a uh, 300-gallon IBC tank of water, you know. So, And what's nice about rainwater is it's mineral-rich, and the plants love mineral-rich. So, you know, collecting rainwater is another way of... uh, of water supplies. So, okay, so so that's it for water. Okay, okay. for for heating, we, we, I talked about the heating, the different yep. ways of heating. Uh, for cooling, uh, in our system that we use, I have a diverter valve so that when we're irrigating our, our tree orchard and, and using water and things, the water is really cold way down deep in the earth. And so, I circulate it through the radiant floor, so the cold water in the hot summertime, say it's a uh, you know 90, 100 degrees out, uh, it cools the slab, it cools the, the the floor, and then we have a large evaporator cooler that takes about 75 watts of power versus you know a kilowatt of power. But when it's sunny during the summertime, that's a nice thing about you know an evaporator cooler is that when it's really hot. You're, you've got a lot of sun, which means you've got a lot of power, so it's no big deal. And so it's like this fresh ocean breeze coming in of fresh oxygenated air that's nice and cool, and it's really pleasant. And so that that's what we use for, for cooling. Um, you know, for, for efficiency, um, for example, uh, when we go take a shower, I want to have the shower at perfect temperature when I get in, and it... I have a recirculating pump, so instead of you know how you people draw the shower and, and the water runs, the cold water runs down the drain and you're yes. wasting all that water. Yep. Use a recycle pump. That uh, what I, what we do is we hit the recycle pump. It runs for about a minute or two, and immediately we've got hot water right there at the shower, so no water is wasted. Also, uh, in all our rooms, we have uh, proximity sensors, uh, occupancy sensors, rather, so that uh, when we're in the room, the, the lights turn on automatically, and when we leave the room, they turn off automatically within about a minute. And so, you know, people forget, and they leave lights on and stuff like that. So it's another way to economize on water and power. 
Um, let's see. Wow, that's, that's, that's incredible how everything you have helps everything. Like, it's all contained. You know what I mean? Like, you're not wasting anything. And that's what impre- – like, that's really impressive that every – you're not – like, you're collecting and you're collecting everything. Like, you're you're collecting your power, like, for your solar panels and probably through a windmill. And then you got your water that you're collecting, even the rainwater. And you are right. Plants, they love rainwater. And when I collect rainwater and then use it on my garden, it's a lot different than the stuff that you get, like, from the city that you spray, you know, like the water with your taps. Oh, yeah. Plants love it. It's mineral. Yeah. And it's just really cool how you have everything self Like, it all works together. That's really amazing. And for waste, everybody produces waste, unfortunately, on this planet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for uh, we have different things. We have uh, 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 non-biological, you know, stuff that we uh, take to the dump. We have, you know, broken down to glass, plastic, cardboard. Uh, So we recycle everything. Uh, and everything that's not biologic, non-biological, uh, goes in that, you know, is compostable. We use for compost, to creating compost for our garden. So by the time, um, we recycle everything and by the time what's left of just the garbage that's biological that you can't compost, we don't have a lot of garbage. And so we, we go to the landfill every three months and uh, pay $15. And so uh, we don't have much of an impact on the on the landfills and we recycle everything. So we save a lot of money that way and, sure. uh, you know, uh, and help help in that way. Uh, let's That's see. That's incredible. What, what did we miss? So we got heating, we got power, uh, inter- food, uh, communications, uh, internet, uh, telephone, entertainment, uh, and, and, and doing it safely with uh, wired connections instead of Wi-Fi. Yeah. Uh, or heating. Pretty, yeah. Cooling. Food. <laughs> um, uh, and, and skylights are great. You know, natural lighting is really healthy for your endocrine system and everything. So uh, it's nice to have a skylight. You know, so the supplement your lighting in the daytime. Um, then definitely, gonna... sunlight is great for you. That, like I, that's why every in the summer, even in the winter when it's a nice day out, I try to get out and get a couple hours of just being outside in the light. And I notice it makes a huge difference in my health. Um, not being inside all the time, and I, and you know, I love a lot of people that don't go out that much, and I just think that people need to get outside in nature more and start. Uh, getting out because a lot of people are just seem to be homebound these days and they're making it that way. I mean, now they want everybody in their house and six feet apart. And so, I mean, you have to kind of know to get outside and start learning some of these skills like gardening and stuff like that. I think it's extremely important and it's something over the years that I think we're just losing touch with is how to be self-sufficient. It's something that, you know, a hundred years ago, everybody did that. And now a lot of people have forgotten it. It's kind of, uh, I think we have to remember how to do all these things. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, you know, you start out with an RV or you you buy some land and, and you build yourself a tiny home. You know, what's nice about having the RV is there you can be on site 
<laughs> makes a big difference when right. you're living on site and you're not renting someplace. So you're saving money there. And so the RV idea, you know, that worked out well for us, you know, living in the Airstream trailer for about four years. And then, you know, we we uh, decided to, you know, design the house and uh, and start building. Uh, now, we've been doing this for 20 years. And so, you know, we pay uh, electric bill is zero. Our heating bill is zero. Our cooling wow. bill is zero. Our water bill is zero. Now, um, now sewer. Um, now that's the other thing we didn't cover. Uh, right. And very everybody, important. Everybody poos, you know. So. <laughs> yep. It's true, uh, though. You know, if you're in a little uh, camper thing or something, they do have. Um, little composting toilets which are kind of cool or what you have to do is you with a regular rv you have like a holding tank and then you have to take it now they're charging you you know you, you take and you, you dump it like every uh every two weeks or whatever how long it takes to, to fill up uh and if you're uh we did a we did a sand trap filter on because we're on the hill and so it's just a regular septic tank. And every five years, now what you can do is you put digestive enzymes into your tank. And so the digestive enzymes eat it all. And so it makes it much less. And so every five years, there's an expense to have the tank pumped out. But that's not a big deal, you know. Wow, um, like every five years. Like, yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. And so, you know, that's our that's our sewer bill, I guess you could say. Uh, our, our entertainment, communications, telephone. Well, you know, that's gonna, we, we pay $10 a year for our cell phone. Uh, we pay <laughs> $10 uh, a year. <laughs> 25 bucks, uh, a year for the, uh, you know, Skype number that you're calling me on. And you can see that the audio quality is just great, you know? Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Like I can never tell <laughs> that you're off grid. That's for sure. The, you sound just perfect. <laughs> So, I mean, that's incredible. And what I want, like, and this kind of segues into this good because we're talking about power and we're talking about um, all these, like, different, like, you know, like batteries and that. And I've always wondered, and I've heard you talk about this in other videos, so it's kind of for the last half hour, half hour good way to segue into this. Um, what is going on with why do we not have free energy yet? Because I definitely believe that we have it. It's been designed. It's the governments have it, and I, I mean, I know why they don't want people to have it, but what is going on with that? Like, give, give me your take on <laughs> what is going on with free energy, because a lot of people I, are saying that they want free energy and asking why we don't have it. So just what, what is your take on that to kind of lead into this? Well, it's because uh, we didn't win the war uh, with, the, with the Nazis, and they infiltrated in in World War II. They uh, created a matrix of perception, uh, the Invention Secrecy Act in 1951. They have a s secret system within the uh, patent office called the Sensitive Application Warning System. Anybody who has anti-gravity, free energy, or anything like that gets automatically issued a national security order, which states that your invention has been deemed to be a detriment to the national security of the United States. Therefore, you cannot share it with anyone. There's over 6,000 wow. inventions that have been uh, withheld. Uh, you know, uh, Nazi Germany had it in 1934, it took till 1954, 20 years later, 
for the United States to have it. That's how they were able to intimidate the Truman and Eisenhower administration and force Eisenhower into a surrender. And uh, every president, CIA director, you know, head of intelligence since that time, back in 1955, has been denied access. The corporations that uh, Eisenhower tried to warn and his farewell address that uh, are right, controlled, right. they uh, they basically took control. They want to keep the they want to keep our population at a technologically retarded state, while you know they have advanced their secret space programs dramatically out there. Uh, you know, our, our Navy has uh, developed a program that launched back in the 80s, the Solar Warden program. It's got huge battle cruisers out there. They have advanced technology across the board, the zero-point energy. They have med beds that can... It can add hundreds of years to your life, heal anything. You know, if you lose an arm or leg, they can regenerate it in a matter of hours. Um, you know, so, and that's how I got involved in the whole thing is because uh, uh, after Eisenhower was denied access, you know, every president's CIA director was denied access, and it was because of, uh, I, uh, I was meeting with a bunch of researchers outside of Area 51 the first time that Bob Lazar had a public meeting, meeting with public researchers, and no recordings were allowed whatsoever. But I had my camcorder in the first row recording the full two hours of him being hit nonstop with about a, a <laughs> dozen or so researchers. And you can see that video at uh, the webmatrix.net 1993 timeline was when I was there. Um, Incredible video. Incredible video. I, you sent that to me and I definitely watched it. Amazing that you got that. Yeah, he's been, he's been 100% consistent. Of course, his compartmentalized operation, he wasn't told everything. Um, and what happened was, uh, the base kind of freaked out, Area 51. And so they issued a security advisory, an NRO, which stands for National Reconnaissance Office, uh, security advisory that, uh, it told the base personnel, you know, extreme punishment to anybody that's, you know, interacts with this group that's outside Area 51. And so on this list, on this document, uh, had unacknowledged special access programs such as Cosmic Ops and Magi Ops, which were basically these programs that were uh, – outside of constitutional oversight that were reverse engineering extraterrestrial technologies. Now, this document somehow Dr. Stephen Greer was able to acquire, and in uh, 1997, just a year after uh, uh, CIA director William Colby was going to deliver to Dr. Greer a zero-point energy device along with $50 million in order to get it out to the public. It was extraterrestrial-derived uh, energy device. Um, one week after that, he was found floating face down on the Potomac River, ruled a boating accident. Uh, and so anyway, in wow. 90, that was 96. In 97, he met with in the Pentagon, along with astronaut Edgar Mitchell and Commander Will Miller, uh, in with uh, the head of intelligence for the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Vice Admiral Thomas Wilson, he was shown these unacknowledged special access programs, and him and his constitutional authority should have had access, if anyone. 
He was denied access. He was mad as hell. He told Dr. Greer, if you can get your people willing to testify under oath and go before the mainstream media of the world, you have my permission. This group is, quote, illegal. And so in uh, back in 1993, Dr. Greer had already started to collect a bunch of witnesses, it seems, uh, when he, uh, the CIA director, James Woolsey, when uh, President uh, Bill Clinton had him look into, his CIA director look into the UFO matter, he wanted to find out. And the CIA director, through his intelligence and military channels, could not gain any access. And so uh, he brought a civilian in, which was Dr. Greer. He was a, uh, the head of the Center for the Study for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, who brought a huge stack of documents substantiating the uh, technology and, and <laughs> what's going on. Uh, and the CIA director said, I know the subject's real. I'm just trying to figure out why the hell I can't gain access to it. And so uh, Dr. Greer became aware of this, this situation way back then. So he started, decided, working with his military advisor, not to collect like a dozen witnesses, but collect hundreds of witnesses, of which I'm just one. Um, and so following the advice of uh, Admiral Wilson, Dr. Greer did go before the mainstream media of the world. It was the largest event in the history of the National Press Club on May 9, 2001. Right. Uh, we were 20 witnesses backed by over 500 military intelligence witnesses. Each one of us gave our testimony that we were willing to testify under oath, that's penalty of perjury and breaking national security oaths, we revealed that President CIA directors were being denied access, that we've had zero-point energy for over 70 years that can alleviate the need for nuclear oil and coal, that we've had faster-than-light uh, zero-point energy spacecraft built back in the 1950s, nukes wow. are being shut down, uh, that, uh, that Clifford Stone, uh, 57 different species had been already categorized, which are way, way more now, uh, back in 1989, that uh, my friend Donna Hare, who just passed away, um, that the NASA is airbrushing the UFOs out before releasing to the public, and the astronauts are sworn to secrecy. They're not allowed to talk about what happened when they went to the moon in 1969, uh, that there's a bases on the other side of the moon, Carl Wolf, who was murdered on his bicycle, you know, with a big truck ran him over, um, that... Uh, <laughs> anyway, it's very suspicious. Very yeah, suspicious. Like, that's the thing that's, that always makes me double take. I'm surprised more people don't notice that, that anybody that is doing this type of research or inventing things like that with free energy or they're going to come forward and disclose what the governments know about aliens or their technology, they always seem to get apparently suicide, <laughs> you know, a double shot to the head, you know, shot twice in the head or or like run Martin over. Candish, who yeah. uh, was going to testify at the June 2021 hearing the, about the uh, alien reproduction vehicles, the faster-than-light craft that were built back in the 1950s. He had met with a shotgun blast to the head that was ruled a suicide. Uh, just a week before that happened, Mike Tuber, who was an Air Force intelligence specialist, who... Uh, 
previous years early, he totally disclosed the fact that the tic tac that everybody saw on you know, the New York Times and everything, the the uh, to the stars academy, the advanced aerial threat uh, identification program, the Pentagon, and you know every unidentified program that went on to the History Channel, and everybody's looking at this tic tac right on the on the Navy uh, aircraft uh, right. screen. Uh, that was actually made in Lockheed, and it can go 24,000 miles per hour and 500 miles per hour under the ocean, and it was made in USA. It was not extraterrestrial. And one week before Mark was met with a shotgun blast, he came out with a YouTube and totally said, I just made the whole story up. You know, it was nothing to it. It was just a psychological test, you know, type of thing, which is, you know, BS. And uh, what do both of these testimonies reveal? They both reveal that we have, in the Senate hearing, which was uh, uh, June, you know, the, the UAP UFO report that they gave, uh, basically said we don't have technologies that can perform like that, which is a lie. And both of the testimonies, Mike Tuber and Mark McCandish, both their testimonies discredit that and so there's there's leaving a reasonably there's some suspicious activity but yeah sure. <laughs> uh, donna Hare wrote me a letter avoiding the internet uh that she had her life threatened uh carl wolf as i mentioned he was on his bicycle he revealed the bases on the other side of the moon which have domes you know like where i live in uh, mushroom-shaped buildings and towers. They had all this. It was just, this is back in 1967. Um, wow. And, you know, so, so many of the witnesses have passed away since then. But, uh, so me, being an ex-ABC newsman, you know, looking at 22 cameras in the back row and the place back, one of the biggest events in national history, how could all of these testimonies, you know, and, and, and even disclose the Brenner von Braun's deathbed testimony that the next plan false flag event is going to be a terrorist event. This was May of 2001. I've seen <laughs> this. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I'm, uh, looking at this and I'm looking at, you know, my testimony. I, I had a high level top secret security clearance in naval communications. In 1969, I was in charge of the code room the Naval Communications Station in San Francisco. I worked there for two years. Um, I was a certified high-speed code operator. In 1969, you know, the, the crypto teletype, you know, atmospheric conditions get gibberish. The message won't come through. Code was the only thing that would make it through, uh, you know, do, 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 you know, that type of thing. Yeah, more so kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, you're familiar. Uh, anyway, um so one message came in from a ship that was uh, a secret classified going to the chief of naval operations. It was, it was a Navy ship off the coast of Alaska where the sailors on board, they, they saw coming off a of port bow a huge 70-foot diameter saucer that came out, was glowing uh, a reddish-orange hue to it. It shot straight up into space, the radar operator on the track, track the blips going over 7,000 miles per hour. This was a priority message, secret classification, going to Chief of Naval Operations. It all was stuck in my mind. It's what seeded my interest in the whole subject. But my, my testimony was minor, you know, compared to what the other witnesses were disclosing. So I'm thinking, my God, you know, all, you know, CNN, CBS, ABC, 
uh, how could this not be a world-changing event? Uh, I agree. I agree. This should have been all. This should have been huge. This should have been like earth-shaking news that was everywhere. Well, and it you know, barely made they, a blip. <laughs> the Nazis controlled not only they rewrote education in 1946 to hide the Nazi escape and infiltration, but they also in 1950 Operation Mockingbird in 1954 the 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 uh, Bilderberg meetings, along with Council of Foreign Relations and Trilateral, they control the six corporations of everything you see and hear. And so what they did was they did what's called a limited hangout, is what the intelligence community calls it, where they lim- the only thing they hanged out that was safe was that we wanted to have a hearing regarding UFOs. And so they made it sound like we wanted to have a a hearing regarding the reality of UFOs rather than this explosive testimony showing that we've had these solutions that have been withheld and our government's been infiltrated by these illegal operations. You know, so CBS wanted to do an interview with me privately, one-on-one, so they they uh, flew down from Los Angeles, and I said, look, uh, before they flew down, I said, I'm only willing to, I saw what CNN did with it, I'm only willing to do this unless I can say we have the scientists within the black projects that can prove before an open congressional hearing that we have zero point energy, that we do not need nuclear oil and coal. That's like a 10 second statement. They, they promised absolutely you can do that. Interviewed me for 45 minutes afterward. They completely edited it out. The only thing I got to say is uh, we've reached a critical point where the truth needs to be revealed to the people, but the truth never got revealed because they edited it out. And the producer of the show, she said, I know I promise, but I never had this happen before. But the higher executives, well, you know, the higher executives yep. of CIA intelligence made me edit that part out. And so um, so, so that's a little little history on why we are still running internal combustion engines and why uh, we still have this ridiculous grid that's running around feeding power to everything where every home and business could have a little box that could give them multiple kilowatts. We could clean up the oceans. We can produce multiple food. The people don't have to be homeless. We can, uh, we have anti-gravity. We don't need to plug in electric vehicles. I can have its own onboard power. In fact, you know, with anti-gravity craft and get, do away with all the polluting vehicles, the aircraft and everything. All this stuff can be recycled and a whole new world can be, we've, we've been kept technologically hijacked for decades. We should be way more advanced now. Um, the trouble is, there's a part of our civilization that's super advanced that is with the secret space program, but it's all being kept secret. And the only way they they tried to bring this in with the Office of Naval Intelligence, you know, you remember the Outer Limits series? Yes. Uh, yes. And you know, Leslie Stevens, his father was an Office of Naval Intelligence that were working with the Galactic Federation of Worlds, which was helping to seed a positive timeline into the future that gave the the script to Gene Roddenberry for Star Trek, you know, to put all these concepts in our minds, like the Prime Directive, which is real, and, mm-hmm. you know, teleportation and, and warp drive and, you know, all these different concepts that were in the Star Trek series to help seed it into the collective mind that we're all tapped into. Uh, to change the timeline into the future. 
But all this is starting to get revealed. Uh, I mean, you have people like the head of the, of the Israeli space program for 30 years coming out and saying, you know, we have joint operations on, on uh, ET and, uh, and, and the United States on Mars that they have and that the Galactic Federation is waiting for a little more of the, our civilization to get up to speed a little bit more before they announce their existence, you know, and that, uh, you know, hopefully we can, we can join, you know, the Galactic Federation of Worlds in the future and have the benefits of this I mean, you have civilizations that are thousands or millions of years in advance with technologies right. that the whole world could could benefit from. But we've been we've had our planet technologically hijacked by. Uh, so so that's the long and short of of why we uh, <laughs> why we why are where we why are. We're still using gasoline and you right. know, doing all this stuff. Because I remember as a little a little kid watching Star Trek and. Star Wars and shows like that. And I definitely thought like by the year 2022 that we would have flying cars and anti-gravity and uh, all of that stuff. And I'm so me like, too. haven't went. Me we too. haven't. Yeah, we're nowhere near that. Like, I mean, they have the technology, but we definitely don't have it. They're not letting us have it. Yeah, when I was watching, uh, you know, in, in 1951, watching the, the day there stood still in 1956, yep. Forbidden Planet and everything, you know, I, I was, a, I was a kid back in the fifties, you know, uh, I thought for sure, you know, wow, the year 2000, you know, we'll be going to other planets and anti-gravity cars and it's going to mm-hmm. be amazing, you know, but no, we're, um, uh, got these criminal, uh, syndicates that have kept our planet controlled and uh and you know there's a global awakening you know thanks to uh revolution radio and others uh you know we uh so support revolution radio and other voices that are that the uh, evil dark cabal is trying to censor you know that they don't want you to know these truths um, and, you know, a media, you know, being an ex-ABC newsman, they, a media company out of Hollywood wanted me to write an article on why the media is controlling the UFO issue. And so I wrote an article called Who Controls the Agreed Upon Reality Through the Mainstream Media and Why They Fear Disclosing the Truth About the Extraterrestrial Reality. I gladly accepted the task, and it ended up being an online notes that go from chronologically from the year 1900 to present day, and because I was aware of, I mean, my brain was being filled with all these different witness testimonies and authenticated documents, and then if you put them together and you plug them in a timeline, it starts to form a picture of what's been hidden that you weren't taught in school. Right. For sure. Because we're definitely, yeah, this is stuff that I wasn't taught in school, that's for sure. So uh, it's definitely uh, incredible stuff. And your website's amazing, too. That's what I love about your website is that it's, you go in chronological order. So it, when you do start plugging all that in, it does give you a great picture. And it, it kind of may, it kind of clarifies a lot of things in that. So, I mean, I hope that... There's powers. I'm sure that there's people on uh, trying to help get this technology out and stuff, and they get it to us people. Like, what do you think that people have to do to 
like just what we're doing, start waking people up, doing shows like this and what other guests are doing and people on other platforms. It's important. What you're doing, uh, Rick, is important because every mind that's listening to this broadcast is part of a uh, kind of a morphogenic fractal of a larger collective mind, which science right. has proven is real and does exist. And so the more minds are awake, and, you know, don't trust what anybody says, you know, do your own due diligence, research it for yourself. My site's not not a professional site by any means. It's just sharing my notes freely with with the public um, and a lot of other good sources. Uh, Dr. Michael Sala, exopolitics.org, I recommend uh, on some of the latest stuff with it's going on in our solar system. Uh, right. I mean, there's different different levels. I'm like old school. You know, I'm like uh you know, nuts and bolts, uh, you know, actually military experience, I, you know, documents supporting and so forth. And then what happened in the year 2000 is that people started to have totally memory recall from the 20 and back program where they were age and time reversed back to the point of enlistment. And they go along 20 years on the timeline and they start having total memory recall and a whole bunch of these people are coming out. And that's a stretch for people to imagine that such technology can exist. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, today we have people who have um, implants from the Galactic Federation, communication devices. They're not channeling information. They're actual communication devices that are uh, like Elena Danan and, and others that are getting information from the Galactic Federation that's saying what's going on, such as... Um, such as uh, last year, there were... In July, there was a meeting outside of uh, Jupiter, and they gave the cabal basically till December of last year to surrender. And so um, they are surrendering, but there's like the last stages of pulling this out and that they're going to be banished through a portal in Antarctica to a uh, to a galaxy far away and banished forever. It's like a prison planet for them. Really? And, uh, and that, uh, and then, you know, the things will start evolving. But, you know, it's like, it's a, a multi-level chess game right now going on. You know, I studied a lot of different angles on this whole thing and just waiting. But my outlook and view is very optimistic and positive for the future. So uh, from everything I've I've been researching. Right. Uh, and that's probably the thing that the, these uh, elite that run the world, these evil elite people, the worst thing, the scariest thing to them is people waking up and uh, like people are doing now. And by listening to this show and other shows, that is probably what they fear most is people starting to wake up and see what's going on in the world and wanting to make a change. It adds to the collective mind that it really helps a lot. You know, ever since, uh, you know, Eisenhower wanted to have public disclosure, but MJ-12 went kind of behind his back, circumvented it, entered into agreements with the Orion Group, and, you know, the Nazis entered into an agreement with the Draco, which uh, violated the prime directive because they're interfering with our evolution. And so that gave, because of the prime directive, the Galactic Federation has come in and cleared out our solar system of the Draco and Orion Group. So now the the ET elements are now now we only have to deal with the earth elements and this had to be done because uh from some 
contact days is about the end. I don't have, you know, it's like, this is a stretch for people, you know, but the Andromeda saw 350 years in our future. It was going to be a galactic tyranny unless we altered the timeline. That's why the Galactic Federation came in and, and is assisting us, but they're not here to save us by any means. They basically right. cleared out the extraterrestrial element. Now it's up to us to deal with the dark, evil, uh, little puppets of the, uh, of the dark cabal, you know, and for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, assets. it's incredible. I mean, I wish I had you for another hour, Dan. I really do. You're going to have to come back. Please, I welcome you to come back whenever you can to continue where we left off today, because as I was saying, there's so much information that you have that I still want to ask you. I still got like pages that I want to ask you. So but we're almost out of time. So I just want to give you the last minute or so. To let everyone know where they can find you. Uh, any websites, anything like that, the floor is yours to let everybody know where they can check out your information and go ahead and let everyone know, Dan. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, you know, sell books or CDs or movies or anything like that. I don't do okay. anything of this for money. Uh, just my non-professional notes are at, uh, www.thewebmatrix.net, not Perfect. .com, but .net. And, and a lot of great everything. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that's got everything. I didn't mean to cut you off. I apologize. And a lot of also great uh, interviews. If you type in your name on YouTube, I've been watching tons of interviews that you've done and just amazing stuff, even on YouTube, that of uh, a lot of stuff you cover with these interviews. Yeah, it's important. You know, now's the time to, we've got to speak up. You know, right. we need to take back our planet. And the only way we can do it, their power is secrecy, our power is disclosure. And they've been exactly. keeping it secret for a long time. And now the curtain is being lifted and we're starting to see the criminals behind the curtain. And once we shine a light on it, we, that's how we can transform the world into a, the beautiful heaven on earth that it was meant to be rather than the prison planet that it currently is. Exactly. Very powerful. That's amazing. And I just want to thank you again, Dan. Please uh, you come back uh, soon, and I definitely want to continue where we left off. I think that we just scratched the surface of so much. So you're always welcome to come back. Guys, make sure you check out Dan's website, thewebmatrix.net. I want to thank you, Dan. I want to thank everybody for joining me. Have yourselves a great evening. Take care, and I will see you guys all next Monday. Thanks, My Dan. pleasure, Rick. Really enjoyed it. Thank, thank you. you. Take care, Dan.
every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Studio B for Momentary Zen with host Zen Garcia at freedomsteps.com, the people station. This is Thomas, a.k.a. a mad painter. I'd like you to join me Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Open Canvas. Don't forget to bring an open mind. Yes, folks, that's right. Bring an open mind to an open canvas. Again, that is Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. You oppose government corruption. This is Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. Hi, I'm Bill Johnson. Some consider my efforts to be an underground law school I am not an attorney, and I do not give legal advice. I teach. That's lawful and legal. Consider yourself served. You are to appear Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, Studio 